Thank you for tuning in to Northridge Church. For more information about Northridge Church, you can visit us online at northridgethomaston.com. Now prepare your hearts as we dive into God's Word. All right, how many of you guys watch that every Christmas? A Wonderful Life. It's, really, not that many. How many of y'all have never heard of it? How many of y'all, we should go home. Y'all ready to head? You know, what's interesting about that, that movie, you know, at the end, of course, uh, Clarence the Angel got his wings. This is not necessarily a theological movie, but uh, George Bailey became the wealthiest man in the town on the admission of his brother. And it wasn't measured in finances or economics. It was measured in the friendships that he realized he didn't have through the movie itself. And at the end, culminated on this moment where he got to live and he got to uh, see the friendships that he truly had. What you may not know about the movie, however, is that it started out as a Christmas card. 1943, this particular author wrote a short story. Philip Van Stern wrote a short story entitled The Greatest Gift, in which case he wrote this story. And it was an absolute flop. No one wanted to purchase it. So he decided to just keep it himself, and he made copies of it. And he began to send it to about 200 of his family and friend members and and just to bless them with it. One of those ended up, however, in a Hollywood producer's hand. And as fate would have it, he made a movie of it, of course, in 1946, was released at the box office, entitled It's a Wonderful Life with Jimmy Stewart and Deborah Reed. And the interesting part about this is it, too, was a flop. The actual movie was, was posed as a comedy. And it was absolutely not a comedy. So for 20 years, it was just really nothing. No one cared. But after the copyrights ended up going into expiration, 1974, TV programs began to pick it up because it didn't cost them anything. And it made its way into the mainstream television, of course, now known as one of the most quintessential Christmas stories of all time. The interesting part about this, however, is the storyline itself, and that is that of uh, George Bailey. He lived in this makeup place. It wasn't a real place, Bedford Falls, New York. Many believe it was made after Seneca Falls in New York. But it was the interesting facet of this man who had everything planned out. He had his whole life planned before him, and it was indeed going to be a wonderful, wonderful life. He was going to go off, and he was going to travel the world. He was going to go to Europe, and he was going to go to Asia. He was going to go to Africa. He was going to go all of these places, see the Parthenon. He was going to come back. And he was going to go to college. And then after college, he was going to come back home to his little community. And he was going to build 100-foot skyscrapers, 100-story skyscrapers. And he went, everything was laid out perfectly. But much like you and I, sometimes things happen. And the trajectory of our life as we knew it or as we thought it would unfold doesn't quite unfold that way. In fact, I'd like to believe that there's a little George Bailey in each one of us. We have a plan, but sometimes through circumstances that we can't control could be the death of a loved one it could be uh in this situation his brother harry went off to to the war and uh, he had saved his life as a little boy and he loved his brother dearly as 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 any big brother would and he sent him off he went off to war he got the medal of honor and uh he got married and he came back and he decided to go work in another town so so george did what probably any good son would do he went to his father to help his father's business and he took over the savings and loan business There was an evil nemesis in this story, Mr. Potter, who wanted to take everything and his greed and and, and all that 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 came with that. He wanted to take it all. But George Bailey was going to see to it that it wouldn't happen. But all the while, this would change the trajectory of his life. 
And he would stay home, and he would begin to make differences. In fact, the basic uh, story itself is one of goodness and sacrifice and friendship and pitfalls of greed and commercialism, much of the same things that we're dealing with today. But what I want you to concentrate on is the, the last part of this movie. And that was when George came to this point where his Uncle Billy, and I think all of us have his Uncle Billy, Uncle Billy uh, lost $8,000 that he was going to make a deposit on behalf of the Savings and Loan, which in 1945 was a tremendous amount of money. Well, when he lost the money, it just so happened the bank auditor came in at that particular time and was going to audit him, and they started looking everywhere. They couldn't find the money. Little did they know Mr. Potter had found it and didn't give it back. Well, what ended up happening was he found a life insurance policy upon his own life. It only had about $500 of equity, but he knew that if he would take his own life, that if he would commit suicide, that he would actually render that money and they could pay off the debt. See, that's the kind of guy George was. Now, be that as it may, I I believe he was going about it the wrong way, obviously. But he goes and he stands out on this bridge, and of course his family's crying out to God on his behalf. And God sends an angel named Clarence. And Clarence came down and, of course, saved him from that moment. And then he said something, George did. He said, you know what? The world would be better off if I weren't born at all. You know, he was wrong. In fact, the world was much better off because he had lived. But much like we do in our life, I wonder if you ever said anything like that. I wonder if you just survey for just a moment your life and say, you know, maybe it's not all been great. Maybe it wasn't the plan that you'd hoped for. Maybe there's even been some suffering and some loss. But wonder what the world would be like if you had never lived. The people, the relationships, the children, and so forth. What about the spiritual undertone of people that you've influenced or have you? See, that's the question that's really posed in this big story. But I believe that there's another uh, question that I would like to pose to you. And that's considering the theme of this story of what if George had not lived? What, what would Bedford, uh, New York, Bedford Falls, New York look like? Well, let's kind of step back from that a moment and ask ourselves this question. And I believe it to be an infinitely more important question that's posed this year during the heart of Christmas, especially in light of 2020. What if the Lord Jesus Christ did not come? What if there was no Emmanuel, God with us? What would our life look like? What things would be different? I want to read a text to you, then I want to unpack that for you for just a moment. It comes from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. This is a very well-known passage, but I want you to grab onto some of these words as we kind of dig into today and asking ourselves the question, what would it be like if Jesus were never born? Listen to what it says in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Now keep in mind, this was spoken thousand years before Jesus says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Watch this. I love this part in light of where we are today. And the government will be upon his shoulder. Amen, church? And his name will be called Wonderful. Everybody say Wonderful. Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Let me read it again. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. I decided to call this message today, You Can't Have Wonderful without Jesus. You see, the reality is, is everything that we ever hope for in this life, the best scenario we could fashion, the Bible says that doesn't even light a match for what God has in store for you. And even as I say that, I know that you're much like me. Many of you have lost great, great close loved ones in your life this year. This has been a a dreadful year at all angles. I get it. But the Bible says that even in those difficult times, in times of suffering, in times of great tribulation, that's when hope is realized. 
That's when hope comes into full view. See, the Bible says that if we only have hope in this life, we are among men most miserable. See, I'm not only staking my claim on hope that's predicated on what happens to me in this life. Can I say something? This is not my home. I'm just passing through. And as I pass through, there's some hiccups. There's some pitfalls. There's some greedy folks. How many of you know there's some mean folks? Can I get an amen? There's some mean folks in the world. And I'm going to tell you something, and I'll say this without any apology. If you're a child of God and you're voting today and you're concerned about our country, you need only vote what God says is important, and that is life. The Bible says in Proverbs 31 and 8, speak up for those who can't speak for themselves and ensure justice for those being crushed. Church, it's time for us to speak our voice. You say, Mark, you can't, you can't get into politics. In church. I, I say you can't separate politics from the culture of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says the government will be upon his shoulders. Amen? I digress. Let me get back to my message. But here's what I want you to grab on to today. I look across this room and I, say, I see precious people who've lost a, a very dear loved one. I see people who have struggled in marriage in this very room. Maybe you're watching today. Maybe you're listening, riding down the road. And and I get it. Maybe I don't know you personally, but God knows you intimately. What about the things that you've gone through? Well, see, this is what George Bailey realized. George Bailey realized that even when it didn't work out the way he had planned, that in the sovereignty of God, in the fullness of all things, watch this, God's plan is better than your plan. John 10, 10 says the thief come but to what? Steal, to kill, and destroy. That's what we've experienced in 2020, a time of stealing and robbing. But see, if you look up the context of someone who steals from you, it means it's a thief that breaks in without your permission and perhaps without you knowing about it. Church, it's time we open our eyes and realize the second part of that. But Jesus says, but I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Can I say this? That you may have it wonderful. And that's God's plan for us. So I'm going to give you quick, 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 three things. We'll get through by 10 o'clock in Dothan. All right, here we go. No, I'm going to be 10 minutes, I promise. Ish. Number one, what if Jesus had not been born? What if he had not come to a manger? There would no, be no victory over death. I said this in the first service, and I, and I looked around, and I saw people. And I won't call your name. I don't want to embarrass you. But I look at people who've lost husbands, fathers, grandfathers, children. In the first service, we had a grandmother here that had lost her four-month-old child, grandchild. Guys, this has been a crazy year. But if Jesus had never been born, there would be no, let me back up to number one. I started with number two. Throw up number one there for me, Ashley. If Jesus had never been born, there would be no salvation over sin. Hebrews, watch what he says in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9 through 10. Listen to what he says. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him, for whom all things are made, and for whom all things are, in bringing many sons to glory. Hallelujah, because what? I'm one of those, right? He says, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through their sufferings. Here's what we know to be true. Had Jesus not come in the manger, he never would have gone to the cross, and he never would have been resurrected from the dead, and there would be no substitutionary atonement, there would be no redemption, there would be no justification, and there would be no joy, and there would be no hope. 
See, but because he came, if I could say it this way, Jesus was born so that he could die. See, the reality is, as we look at this, we realize that the glory of Christmas forever didn't stop at his birth. It went all the way to the point of his suffering. Do you know, and I don't want you to miss this, because this is what makes Christmas Christmas. We can't just sing only happy birthday. We have to understand what that meant to him. He came so that he could die. Think about that for a minute. How, how, how dreadful of a proposition that would be in your humanity to know that you came for the purpose of dying. Not only, the Bible says, greater love has no man than one to lay down his life for his friend. But there is a greater love, and that was the love that Jesus had and displayed on the cross where he laid down his life for his enemies. He came for that purpose. And as he was suffering, as he was hanging on the cross, he said things like, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. See, maybe, just maybe, there are people in this room this Christmas that's sitting in this room and say, Mark, you know what? This is good and fine for a lot of people, but that makes no impact on my life. I'm at the point of giving up. Maybe there's people listening or in this room, and let's just say it out loud, that have asked themselves the question, I would be better off not living. Or what if I wasn't here at all? I want you to know today, Jesus gave his life so that you may live. He gave his life so that we could be made right with a holy God. But not only the sufferings on the cross, but the triumph at Easter. To know, watch this, had he merely died on the cross, he would be a martyr. See, he had to come fully as a man. Many people have debated for years. As a matter of fact, that's the, that's the jumping off point for all world religions. They have no problem believing in the man upstairs or God or, or, or Adonai or what have you. But they have a problem when you talk about the person of Jesus Christ, most especially when you give him deity and say he was fully God. But see, if he died as a man only, he died as a martyr. But see, he died fully God, fully man, and the fact that he died fully God meant that he became our sin and we were made right with God. The greatest message of Christmas goes past the point of the manger see see the, the the children of israel still yet today at large have not accepted jesus as the messiah do you know why because he didn't come as a king how, how could this messiah that we've talked about through all of the old testament books how could he come as a pauper as a lowly carpenter's son i'll tell you how because he needed to be affiliated with you and i common people he needed to understand what it was what it meant to hurt and what it meant to be without and what it meant to be tempted as we'll see in this next point Make no mistake about it. Because he came, we have salvation, forgiveness of sins, justification, grace, mercy, and an unconditional love. To which I say, hallelujah. Secondly, not only did he come for the salvation of our sins, but if Jesus had never been born, there would be no victory over death. I wonder, even as I'm reading this now, like a minute ago, as I missed the first one and I started there, I wonder, was that something that probably connected with many hearts this year? Because, again, there's so many people, gosh, there's so many people in my life, in this church, that have lost people. And this has got to be one of the most dreadful times of the year. That's why I say it every year. This is the time of the year where many people struggle more than ever. Because there's going to be a missing spot at the dinner table or around the tree. And I don't say that taking that lightly. This will be the seventh year without my father. And every year, there's still that hole, that wound that just, it just cannot be taken away. Can, can anybody relate to that? 
I mean, some of you may have lost a parent or, or a grandparent or somebody that was very close to you years and years ago. And it still has that wound. But if Jesus had never been born, there would be no victory over death. Let me read that to you. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 15. Listen to what it says. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood. Watch this. The son also became flesh and blood for only as a human being could he die. See, if he came as God, he couldn't have died. And people say, okay, well, then maybe he laid aside, laid aside his deity. He ceased being God at that moment. He couldn't have. In fact, the Bible says that he just simply chose to humble himself and lay aside the use of his godly attributes. Two completely different things. Never miss that. See, there has to be a union. It's called hypostatic union. He had to be fully God, fully man, or this would not have worked. The Bible says in that text, it says that he had to become a human being so that he could die. But watch this. But only by dying could he break the power over the devil who had the power over death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived the lives of slaves with the fear of dying. Why? Because Paul said to the church at Corinth, it says this. It says, now has brought, been brought to pass the saying which is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, grave, where's your victory? See, when we, when we preach funerals now, and this is something that's very real to me. It's something that I take very seriously. I realize that we're, we're preaching over a person who just days before was, was alive and here. But, but I want you to understand that the vehicle, the shell through which they walk this life, listen, it's still there, but they are alive more today than ever. See, see, they've traversed this, what we know as life, to life eternal. In fact, look at this with me. Each day, 150,000 people die. That's nine people per second. Nine. And, and if statistics ring true, six of those nine will spend eternity separated from God in hell in a place that God never created for us, but for Satan and his demons. But for those of us who knows that our, our, our loved one had Christ in them, Jesus has defeated death, hell, and the grave they're going to live forever and forever and forever. I love, what, I love what King David did in the Old Testament. I believe it's in 2 Samuel chapter 12. You know what he did? He told him, he said, my son is dying. So he prayed and, and he cried out to God and he fasted and he, he tore his clothing and, and he wouldn't eat and he wouldn't bathe. But the moment that his child died, the servant came in and told him, he said, oh, great king, your, your child has died. He did something that just blew the minds of the servant. He ordered a bath. He ordered clothing. He ordered a meal. And, and they asked him. They're perplexed. They said, hey, why is it that when your son was dying, you were fasting and weren't eating and weren't communing with anyone, but now, as if to celebrate, and he said these words, the reason is because I can't bring the boy back to me, but one day I can go be with him. See, the fact that Jesus came, and he lived, and he died, oh, but more importantly, because he got up. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. And guys, that's something to celebrate. Because your loved one... You can't bring them back. In fact, if we're real honest, in light of what they are experiencing in heaven, we wouldn't bring them back if we could. Not in that condition. To know that one day, in God's timing, in God's perfect will, we can go be with them. You know, the Bible tells us, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this there's a judgment. 
I submit to you today that the reason, and I want you to hear this, because it can go back to point one. The only reason that we should have any fear or concern in death, really, is if we don't know Jesus as the Lord of our life. Aside from that, he says, I'm not giving you the spirit of fear. I'm giving you power, love, and of a sound mind, that self-control. You see, what if, like the lady that I've said before, a lady who, who, who was a little girl, and, and, and she says, I can't wait till I can, I can go to school. And, and then she gets in school, I can't wait till I'm in, in, in junior high. And then I can't wait till I'm in high school. And I can't wait till I can drive. And I can't wait till I can vote. And I, I can't wait till I get married. I can't wait till I have kids. I can't wait till the kids are leaving. You know, I can't wait to uh, on and on and on. I can't wait till my kids are grown. I can't wait till they walk. I can't wait till they get married. I can't wait. And all of a sudden, grandkids later, and now she's 82 year, years old and laying on her deathbed, and she realized she forgot to live. We got to be careful. To redeem the time, the Bible says, the time that we've been given, the right now moment. Why? Because Jesus has taken the sting of death. Number three, very quickly. Not only had Jesus not come, would we not have salvation from our sins, no redemption. And not only would we not have victory over death, but watch this. If Jesus had never been born, there would be no mediator between God and man. That's a fancy word by saying he's our go-between. He is the conduit. He's our advocate. He's our attorney. He's the judge. However you want to look at it, he's the one that speaks on our behalf. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 2. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every aspect like us. His brothers and his sisters so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through the sufferings and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. He understands. How, how would it be, if you really think about this, how would it be to pray to a God who had no understanding of what it means to be human, what it means to be tried, what it means to be tempted, what it means to hurt, what it means to have loss? He understands it all too well. God the Father gave his only begotten son. He understands it. And I love what he says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, and verse 5. For there's one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ. Watch this. He not only sympathizes in our weaknesses, he came to save us from them. The Bible says we don't even know how to pray. But there's one interceding on our behalf that's praying for us. We need that mediator. We need that go-between. Charles Spurgeon said it this way. When man became royal, Christ became human. Man was exalted when Christ was humiliated. Man may go up to God now that God has come down to man. He's that go-between. So no matter what's going on in our life, the true wonderful life was made possible through Jesus' birth and we have something even the angels cannot fully understand and fully grasp. We have grace. Everybody say grace. We have redemption. We have salvation, sanctification, and the hope of glory. We have a place in the family of God through faith in Jesus alone. What I wonder today we would, if we would just kind of pose to ourselves, because he was born, because he did live, 
and because he was perfect, and because he died on the cross, and because he got up, what is it that I can do now to truly tap in to that wonderful life? What can I give up? What am I holding on to so tightly? It may be a good thing, but it may not be the God thing. The Bible says to lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily ensnare us. So not only the sins of our life, but what about the things that are keeping us hindered from walking into his fullness, from being all that he's created us to be, to walk into his abundance, to walk into the wonderful? What if? What if God's waiting on your ultimate commitment in some area of your life? What if that's the breakdown? What if it's forgiveness? What if you're carrying this, this spirit of unforgiveness that has, has caused a root of bitterness, the Bible calls it, that literally has blanketed and, and festered over your heart, and you can't even have a heart of joy, which Nehemiah said, that is my strength. I wonder, would you bow your heads with me today? Maybe you need to answer some of those questions. Maybe you're like George. Maybe you have framed out what your life is to look like. And after a hiccup and after a pitfall, left and right turns that brought you to what you now see as a dead-end road. What if that's the place that God has brought you to to allow you to see it? There's only way you can go, and that's up. That's to Him. You can't turn back. You can't do it over. What if the wonderful life that God has prepared, because we know now there can be no wonderful without Jesus. Even if we fashion out and frame out the best scenario we could think, he says, I can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think. Maybe it's not about material wealth. Maybe it's not about stuff. Maybe it's about mending relationships, forgiving the unforgivable, loving the unlovable. Maybe it's about this season, being able to step into a, a newness of joy, a peace that passes understanding because that's what we all want. Remind you, He is the great counselor. He is the Prince of Peace. He's the everlasting Father. He's the mighty God. What is it you need to grab onto today? Maybe today you're sitting there and you say, Mark, I want all of it. But you've never said yes to Jesus. See, the question was posed when he hung on the cross. As he died for you, as he became your sin, he thought through the corridors of time that he was dying for your life, for your soul. Thank you for joining us at Northridge Church. We hope that today's message inspired you in your walk with Christ. For more information about Northridge Church, you can visit us online at northridgethomaston.com.